Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 29, The Period of Russification and Economic Development from 1870 to 1914. The accession to the throne by Alexander III in 1881 brought great changes to Estonia. Unlike his liberal father, the new Tsar was narrow-minded and reactionary. He tried to alleviate the growing discontent in the state by means of religion, patriotism, and the love of Tsar, accompanied by Russification of the periphery. Alexander III was the first Russian sovereign who did not confirm the privileges of the Baltic nobility. In answer to the complaints from the Baltic Germans that the authorities of the gubernias were not able to restrain the national movement, Senator Nikolai Menesen arrived to inspect the Baltic gubernias in 1882. The aim of Menesen's inspection was to collect data on the privileged position of the Baltic nobility. The senator received about 50,000 letters from Estonians and Latvians complaining about the arrogant ways of the Baltic Germans and demanding an increase in their rights in their own countries. The material collected by Manasseh was used by government to carry out Russification. The shortcomings found during the inspection gave a suitable excuse to start political rearrangements in the Baltics. In 1885, new governor-generals were appointed to the Baltic gubernias. General Mikhail Zinoviev in Riga and Duke Sergei Shekovskoy in Tallinn. Shekovskoy saw his task as joining the Estonians to the great family of Russians. Russians were appointed officials in places of Germans everywhere. They had no knowledge of local ways nor language. Instead of German, Russian became the official language. The opportunities for Estonians to have their say in the direction of their own country decreased. Many parish executives elected by the people were dismissed due to insufficient knowledge of Russian. The peasant courts in the parishes were closed down. In the counties, the post of commissar for peasant affairs were introduced. It was their responsibility to control the work of parish councils and courts, which essentially restricted the freedom of the parish executives. August Kurtzberg, a writer who worked as a community clerk in Pugla, Karksi Parish, described one of these commissars as follows. I met the inspector at the entrance, wearing a black tailcoat appropriate for the situation. This was my first mistake. I should have been dressed like a barge haulier. And then there were my flower beds in front of the house. The commissar for peasant affairs was wearing a dirty shirt and mended trousers. Before he entered the house, he sniffed three times and muttered the two words, German influence. Thus management of public business passed into the hands of uneducated Russian officials who knew no language other than Russian. 
The hardest blow from Russification was the educational system in Estonia. In 1887, the Russian language became the compulsory language of tuition in all Estonian schools. In parish schools, only religious studies could be delivered in Estonian. According to the new laws, other subjects had to be taught in the initial two years of schooling. In the language that would allow for the teaching of all subjects in Russian from the third year of study. Children were forbidden to speak Estonian, even during the breaks. Teachers who did not know Russian well enough were dismissed. Due to insufficient knowledge of Russian, children had to learn everything taught to them by heart, which reduced their interest in school and education. The new Russia-oriented programs discarded such subjects as Estonian history, national studies, and Estonian literature. Russification increased illiteracy. Of young men conscripted for military service in 1886, 98% could read, but in 1901, it was only 80%. The Alexander School, for which Estonians had collected money and pursued opened in 1888 as a Russian language school. The oldest school in Estonia, the Tallinn Dome School, or Tomkor, was closed down due to Russification. In 1893, Tartu University, which had been renamed Yuriev University, introduced Russian as a language of tuition. All the German professors were forced to leave the new lecturers that came from Russia could not preserve the high level of tuition for which the school had become famous. As well as the rearrangement of education, there was an attempt to reform the religious beliefs of Estonians by spreading orthodoxy in Estonia. Governor General Shakovskoy was actively engaged in this, building orthodox churches all over the country. The biggest of all, the Orthodox Cathedral was built on Tompea in Tallinn, close to the Governor General's residence. Shakovskoy also established the Puhitsa Nunnery in northeast Estonia. In spite of the active propaganda, only one fifth of northeast Estonian population joined the Orthodox Church. Russification also caused setbacks in the cultural life of Estonia. The liveliness characteristic of the period of the national movement was replaced by anxiety and pessimism. The situation was complicated even further by the fact that the supporters of Jacobson, who had achieved a dominant position in the national movement, had expected support from the Russian government and were now extremely disappointed. Although the majority of societies continued to exist, their patriotic undertakings were replaced with entertainment. The decline was aggravated by the fact that there were several Estonians actively involved in Russification. Jacob Kurv became the leader of the Russification process. He established the newspaper Volgus, or The Light, in Tallinn in 1882. In order to get subscribers for his paper, he informed against Yak Yarv, the editor 
of the popular newspaper Virulane, which had remained true to national values, forcing Yarv to leave Estonia. Intrigues, rumor-mongering, and spying were characteristic of Russification. Also, at the end of the 1880s, Otto Grenstein, who had actively participated in the national movement, started to support Russification. He considered important the movement of Estonian people towards Russia. His newspaper, Olavik, or Present Day, tried to explain the material and cultural advantages Estonians could gain by becoming Russified. He defined the era of national awakening as a great error, campaigned against the song festivals, expressed his gratitude to the Tsarist government for closing down the Estonian Society of Literati, and actively argued for Russification, admitting that Latvians knew Russian better than Estonians did. Grinstein admonished Estonians to not lag behind their neighbors in this useful field. The only newspaper that tried to preserve the national spirit was Postimace, edited by Carl August Hermann in Tartu. In 1891, it became the first daily newspaper published in Estonian. As a politician, Herman remained rather conservative, avoiding conflicts with authorities. Herman's main achievement was to promote the cultural development of Estonians. Of great importance for developing Estonian intelligentsia was Hugo Treffner's private gymnasium which was opened in Tartu in 1884. Although the restrictions of Russification were also applied to the school, the majority of Estonians entering Tartu University received their secondary education in Trefner's gymnasium. The New Rise of the National Movement In spite of the harsh conditions, Estonian-minded activities continued throughout the period of Russification. Nationalist work was carried out in temperance societies that were established all over the country in the last decade of the century. An effort was made to preserve the spirit of national awakening by organizing concerts and evenings of speeches, as well as staging plays. When Jacob Hurt started the campaign, of collecting Estonian folklore in 1888, it found many active participants. In many places, ways and opportunities were found to build clubhouses where local people could come together. Quite a number of these national leaders remained true to their ideals, even in the harshest conditions, and worked hard to keep hope alive in the people. Willem Raymond became the leader of the young generation fighting against Russification. Raymond was born in Kopu, in Viljandi region, as the son of a tenant farmer. He graduated from the Faculty of Theology at Tartu University and worked as a priest in Kulga Yani. His extraordinary capacity for work allowed him, in addition to serving his congregation, to develop the temperance movement throughout the country and to lay the foundation for scientific research into Estonian history and culture. 
Raymond was characteristic by a strict sense of justice and honesty, adherence to peasant ideals, in serious religion and idealism. In a way, he became a connecting link between Jacob Hurt and Jan Tunison. Great work on preserving the national ideals was achieved by the Estonian Student Society. The students who were inspired by the 1870 Song Festival started to meet regularly. At the beginning, they read the national epic Kalavipoig together, but later these meetings laid the basis of, of a society consisting of young, progressive, Estonian-minded intelligentsia. In the situation where education had been provided in German and later in Russian, only educated people were accustomed to exchanging opinions and even thinking in a foreign language. One of the greatest achievements of the Estonian Student Society was that they introduced the Estonian language as the language of communication among the intelligentsia. In June 1884, the blue, black, and white flag of the Estonian Student Society was consecrated in the church of Atupa. The southeastern periphery of Estonia, Petchery or Setu region, had been under Russian rule since the Middle Ages. Its difference from other regions of Estonia survived even after the Great Northern War, where the whole of Estonia became a part of the Russian Empire. There was no German nobles in that area. The people living there were members of the Orthodox Church, even before Russification. In that region, which had been separated from the rest of Estonia by a state border, and later the border of the a unique culture had developed. It had preserved its uniqueness in spite of the Russian influence. It was Jacob Hurt who first paid attention to the uniqueness of the Setu folklore during his campaign of collecting folklore. Petri region remained untouched by the national movement. The first national societies appeared there only at the beginning of the 20th century. Cultural backwardness was mainly caused by the poor conditions of schools. Less than 20% of the population were literate at the turn of the century. As in other regions of Russia, the system of rural community had survived in that region. Farmers could not become the owners of their farms. This was the reason for their lower living standards, which started to improve only in the days after Estonian independence. The central role in the spiritual and economic life of the region was played by the monastery, established there in 1526. Until the Great Northern War, the monastery had had a military function as a border fortification. Economic Development from 1870 to 1914 The last quarter of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century saw rapid expansion in the Estonian economy. During that period, the economic preconditions for an independent state were formed. The Estonian economy was strongly influenced by the building of railways. In 1870, the first, the Baltic Railway, was completed. 
it connected the port of Paldeski with Narva and St. Petersburg via Tallinn. Soon lines Tapa, Tartu, Volga, Riga, and Volga, Voru, Peskov were opened. At the beginning of the new century, Hopsalu also gained a railway connection with Tallinn. In addition to the broad gauge railway, a private joint stock company built narrow gauge railway lines connecting Perinu with Volga, Moisakula with Viljandi and Tallinn, Paide and Turi with Tamsalu. So all the towns of Estonia, except Kurusari, had railway connections. The railway bound Estonia more tightly to the Russian capital and the inland gubernias, as well as to Latvian areas. Thus, favorable conditions for exchange of goods arose, especially for sending Estonian agricultural products to the markets of St. Petersburg. At the same time, the proportion of goods arriving via the ports of Paldiski and Tallinn increased. The railway increased communication between different parts of Estonia and developed internal trade. The presence of the railway also gave new industries and new settlements. Estonia remained an agrarian country where two-thirds of the population were involved in agriculture. The manor economy continued to dominate. At the beginning of the 20th century, almost half of the arable land belonged to German barons. The manors developed into large economic enterprises, producing for the needs of the market and using paid workers. The progressive manor owners boldly applied new technical methods in agriculture, which later gradually spread among the peasants. The process of buying land for perpetuity, which had started in 1850, continued. In the last decades of the 19th century, it was most evident in North Estonia, while at the beginning of the 20th century, it spread on Sarama. By 1916, four-fifths of arable land was freehold property. This did not necessarily mean the end of problems for peasants as the majority of the farms had been bought on credit and paying off debts took a large share of the income. Alongside the 52,000 freehold farms, there were 23,000 rented farms for which the tenants paid rent to the landlords. At the turn of the century, the development of farms was hindered by the fall in grain prices, due to which grain cultivation no longer produced the expected profit. As a result, many freehold farms went bankrupt. The majority of the farms remained, looking for more profitable kinds of production, which which appeared to be cattle breeding. Dairy cattle rearing developed in the main branch of agricultural production. The availability of railway transport allowed the marketing of Estonian dairy products in St. Petersburg at reasonable prices. Milk, cream, butter, and cheese were all taken to Russia. This was profitable, but demanded big preliminary investment connected with buying pedigree animals from abroad and establishing milk processing enterprises. Therefore, Estonian cattle breeding 
remain mainly a part of the manor economy. Beside dairy cattle, fattened pigs and beef cattle were also bred. For fattening the cattle, the residual products of the numerous distilleries proved useful. The rise of livestock farming to the leading position forced the manor industries, as well as farms, to grow fodder grain, hay, and potatoes instead of grain for bread. Cultivation continued to be intensified. New land was cleared for tillage, artificial fertilizers were introduced, and new modern agricultural machines were, brought, were bought. Special attention was paid to plant breeding. Duke Friedrich Georg Magnus von Berg became famous for breeding a new winter rye called Sangaste. The development of farming was promoted by spreading re relevant knowledge among peasants. Farmer societies took responsibility for this, regularly arranging agricultural exhibitions and hiring specially trained agricultural advisors and instructors on cattle breeding. Development of Industry At the end of the 19th century, a rapid growth of industry took place over the entire Russian Empire. Along with the development of financial-commercial relationship, large investments in industry were made. In Estonia, existing factories were extended and new establishments and industries were introduced. The textile industry developed into a leading area of industry in Estonia. The Craneholm Cotton Factory, which was established in Narva in 1857 and was continuously extended, became the biggest industrial in establishment in Estonia. It had 5,000 workers in 1880. The Sindi and Kayla textile mills underwent rapid development as well. In Tallinn, the Baltic cotton mill was established. The role of machine and metal industry also grew considerably. A number of new plants were opened, the biggest being the Volta Electrical Machine Factory, the Devigatel Carriage Building Plant, the metal industry of Franz Krull, and the machine factory of Weigand. Because of the policy of railway building, the principal railway works was also established. The third biggest area was the paper industry. In addition to the paper mills in Tallinn and Rapina, the biggest cellulose factory in the Russian Empire, the Waldhof, was built in Pernu. Johansson's paper mill in Tallinn, as well as timber, cardboard, and paper factories in Kohila and Turi, were added soon after. At the beginning of the century, the paper mills of Estonia were responsible for 70% of the paper production of the Russian Empire. For a long time, Narva had been the biggest industrial center, but by the turn of the century, Tallinn had occupied the first position. New enterprises were also established in other towns and in the country. In Kunda and in Osori, cement works were built that produced one-tenth of the cement production of Russia. In the country, numerous brickyards, lime kilns, wool, flour, and sawmills were started. In manners, 
the number of distilleries increased to 250. The economic crisis in Russia in 1900 to 1903 reduced the pace of industrial development, but by the second decade of the century, a rapid increase followed again. This was promoted by the militarization of industry over the entire empire. Preparation for war gave the reason for the establishment of more large-scale industrial enterprises. In the years 1912 to 1914, three powerful naval shipyards were built in Tallinn, the Russian Baltic Becker and Noblesner. By the start of the First World War, Estonia had become one of the most industrially developed areas of the empire. In 30 years, the number of industrial workers had increased fivefold, from 10,000 in 1885 to 50,000 in 1916. More than half of the factories belonged to Russian business magnates, and a quarter of Estonian industry was controlled by German, French, and English capital. Baltic Germans took third place, and only then came Estonian manufacturers. Although the number of Estonian industrialists grew constantly, they did not play a significant role in the total output of industrial production, and they mainly owned small enterprises and workshops. The rapid development of industry was mainly aimed at the needs of the empire and did not take Estonian needs and possibilities into account. Raw materials, equipment, and workers had to be imported, whereas the production mainly went to Russia. The building of railways played an important role in the development of foreign and transit trade. Tallinn profited most from the increase of trade because of its port. Soon, the role of the Estonian ports started to decline as the majority of Russian foreign trade was transferred to the Black Sea. Tallinn still remained an important port of entry where machines, chemical products, and coal arrived for Russia, as well as for Estonia. Pernu became an important shipping port from where Estonian grain, flax, and timber were shipped to Western European markets. Internal trade developed even more rapidly. Country people bought new agricultural equipment, manufactured clothes and footwear replaced the national costumes that had dominated before, and oil lamps, window glass, and aniline dyes became popular articles of trade. The growth of the urban population meant there was demand for foodstuffs and manufactured goods for tens of thousands of people. Industrial development and the social stratification of peasants caused rapid urbanization, whereas in 1862, the urban population of Estonia was about 64,000 people. In 1914, it passed the 250,000 mark, which was one-fifth of the total Estonian population. The biggest towns were Tallinn, Tartu, Narva, Pernu, and Volga. The national composition of the urban population also changed. Estonians outnumbered other nationalities. At the beginning, they constituted a lower social class, but gradually their economic condition improved. They built houses, opened workshops and grocery stores, 
and the numbers of Estonian officials in intelligentsia increased. Legally, they still remained second-class citizens, as the town governments consisted of Baltic Germans. The latter also influenced the look and attitudes of the towns. The German language and German customs dominated. In addition to the 12 towns, several settlements developed in the vicinity of railway stations and industrial enterprises by the turn of the century, including Yofi, Atapai, Poltsama, Sindi, Tapa, Tori, and Torva. At the beginning of the 20th century, cooperative activities became popular. The main reason for this was the spread of dairy cattle breeding. In order to make more profit, peasants started to establish cooperative dairies, which were responsible for processing and selling the milk and milk products. The first such dairy started work in Restu Ansla in 1898. Different kinds of cooperatives became popular in Estonia. Consumer and economic cooperatives allowed their members to buy manufactured goods at a lower price. The members of machine cooperatives bought expensive agricultural machines jointly, while improvement cooperatives drained large swampy areas for cultivation. An important development in the cooperative movement was the establishment of the Estonian Loan and Savings Cooperative by Jan Tunnison in Tartu in 1902. This can be considered as the first national bank in Estonia. From then on, similar cooperatives were established all over Estonia, and they made a considerable contribution to the development of the Estonian economy. That's it for now. Next time we meet, we'll go over political development in Estonia at the turn of the century and the 1905 revolution.